Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven podcast. Yeah, uh, so today on Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 16 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is Paranoia, um, which was directed by Stephen Collins. And... <laughs> Right, this is the second episode that Stephen Collins has directed. Um, I forget what the first one was. It was like one of the important episodes near the end of a season. Yeah. I don't, can't tell you. I think we mentioned it when it happened. Yeah, definitely. So um, our IMDb user synopsis of this episode is, Simon hopes to make the school baseball team, but fears nepotism from the coach. So he asks sports star Mary to put in a good word, which gets him stuck with becoming equipment manager. Jimmy Moon's parents consult Eric as he's involved in a marijuana affair with the police and dealer minions. Lucy's unwanted meddling gets her arrested. Matt and his girl, Shanna, desperately try to call, but each time Ruthie deliberately omits passing on their messages just to steal some sibling attention. Eric's paranoia about a parish conspiracy proves more than pointless. All right. These are getting sassier and sassier. Yeah, the person who wrote these, I don't know. I don't know if they were a fan or not, or if they were just, like, fed up that they were still watching. I want them on our show. So anyway, what was your first impression of this episode? I'm glad that we have gotten away from focusing on the new babies, and it's back to kind of business as usual for the Camden family. Um, I think that, although I hate it, I also kind of appreciate the fact that they are setting up Lucy, because uh, I know, like, Lucy's long endgame, basically. Um, what? From all of your Snapchats and also just normal, like, seventh heaven knowledge, uh, that you can see from this episode and episodes prior, but a lot so in this episode, her her being the Rev's daughter. I think actually on IMDb it gives it away. They credit her as her title at the end of the show. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I don't really like it because I don't really like Lucy and I don't really like the Rev. But <laughs> um, I like that they are beginning this quite early on. I've seen this, you've seen this like a little bit in the last season, I think, but really this episode kind of cements that she really is the Rev's daughter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my first impression. Okay, all So right. let's do our usual and start with the cold open. Um, we have the Rev, who is at church, um, and there is two parents, Norma and Fred, who are talking about their son's grades and how their son was caught hitchhiking recently, and he's I doing... I like how that was like the, you know, I caught him hitchhiking the other day, like that's how you know your kid's in trouble. And he's doing things that he hasn't been doing before. Uh, the Rev does not know who these people are until he learns their last names, which is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know if we were going to do a little pause there. I thought you were, like, setting it up for, for me to say it. Oh, oh all right. Well. Okay, well, it's Jimmy Moon's parents, and it's Jimmy Moon. But before uh, the Rev can really react to that, Lou returns. Um, Aaron, can you give us a refresher on who Lou is? He wasn't he, oh, I forget exactly what his title was. He was, like, the treasurer or something. They thought he was stealing money, and he was stealing money, but it was for his autistic son, I believe, to go to school um, some special school that they had him in, and, um, so it ended up being at the end, like, the Rev was like, oh, well, we won't, we'll just raise money for you to do that, so Lou, from, you know, and he also didn't want to hire the ex-con, 
Right. To who be, we never see again. Yeah, to be the organist who they ended up hiring, but apparently they quit after one <laughs> week. Um, and that is it. So that's the cold open. Um, we forgot to mention in this, this in the last episode, but we noticed in the last episode, so it might not be... They changed the credits a little bit. Um, a little bit, yeah, on the opening. Um, Matt and Simon have new scenes inserted from because everyone else just has new cl- new new clips relative to the first and second season, but they're all of their clips just come from like the first episode of season three. Mm-hmm. But Matt and Simon, Matt and Simon stay the same from the second season, but now mid season they've updated the credits. Uh, no sign of the twins in the credits yet. But we'll keep a lookout for you. Well, because they were I, when they were this young, when they're babies, they're played by quadruplets. Ah. Um, and when they get old enough to get like billed on the opening credits, it's just two of them at that point. I guess because they're old enough to labor laws. Uh, so we're gonna start with um, Matt and Ruthie's storyline. Yeah. So Matt comes home uh, from wherever he is, or he comes. I thought into he the was room. coming downstairs. Yeah, uh, they're in, they're in the kitchen, and he tells Annie that. Um, he needs to, he asks if he can use the phone line in the Rev and Annie's room because he needs to call Shauna because they had a stupid fight earlier that morning and he was like, I need to apologize. It was stupid. And also he wants to use their phone line to leave the regular line open in case Shauna calls. And Annie's like, okay, yeah. Um, this kind of continues, uh, Matt is calling, like, her phone repeatedly, but there's something wrong with the answering machine. To, uh, when, at first, like, we thought that she was, like, screening her calls and that she was letting it go to the message, the answering machine, and then she was hanging up before he got a chance to leave it. But then we see, on, like, the flip side, the main phone line at the house rings another time, and Ruthie picks it up, and it is Shauna, and she is like, oh... I need you to tell... And I don't think Shona's actually ever met any of the family members. No. Yeah, so she goes on this long story about how her answering machine is broken and whatever... Her answering machine is connected to her main line, so that means her phone is broken entirely, so she's calling from a payphone. So even if Matt wanted to get in touch with her, he couldn't... Uh, she, and Ruthie's like, you're talking to an eight-year-old. Yeah, and she's like, just tell Matt that Shona called. Um, immediately after this, Matt is looking for Ruthie... And Matt's basically telling Ruthie, look, it's really important to me that you uh, tell me if Shauna calls. And Ruthie says, how come? And then we, we have this thing that the we... Gr- the grammar lesson yeah. again. Matt's like, why? She's like, that's what I said. No, you said, how come? That's yeah. the same thing. It was that, like back and forth. Basically, Ruthie has a chance to say that Shauna called. She doesn't. <laughs> and that is basically Matt and Ruthie's storyline. Matt- uh, yeah, Matt keeps calling Shauna. The voice, the voicemail doesn't work. Shona calls the house, house a few times, talks to Ruthie. Um, she do, like every uh, another time she co- calls the house. Well, yeah. So Ruthie never gives the messages to Matt. Then Matt goes over to Shona's apartment, and we see him. She's in this phone booth that's like literally across the street from her apartment, and Matt doesn't see her. And we see Matt knocking on her door, and no one's home because she's in the phone booth. And at this point. Shauna's calling the house, and no one's picking up. Well, the line is busy because Lucy is on the phone, and it's just, like, high phone hijinks. Uh, Shauna gets sick because she has to stand out <laughs> into the phone box the entire night trying to get in touch with Matt. So Shauna doesn't show up at school, so that's another, like, added Missed element. connection, Right, yeah. like, they don't see each other at school. 
Um, Matt and Ruthie have like a kind of a heart to heart about how he do- he's never had a girl that he wants to go on a second date with, and he really sees like him and Shauna being something serious. And um, in the background, we see kind of this like undercurrent of Ruthie feeling left out. Uh, she keeps on asking Matt to spend time with her, read her a bedtime story, do something with her, and he keeps on being like, "No, I'm busy. I need to make sure." I get in touch with Shauna, or I spent the entire day trying to get in touch with Shauna, and now I'm tired, or I need to write an essay. Um, so for me, at the beginning, I was kind of really annoyed with Ruthie about just, like, you know, for seemingly for no reason, it seemed like she wasn't telling Matt that Shauna was calling. But it became, it becomes clear very quickly. When she starts, you know, because she, when Matt isn't hanging out with Shauna because he can't get in touch with her, she's asking him to do stuff with her. So it kind of becomes evident. Yeah, that that she just wants Matt to hang out with her. So uh, this gets resolved, basically, with the doorbell ringing. Matt and Ruthie both run to the door, and it's Shauna. And they kind of have this, I've tried calling you. I've missed you. (laughs) Did you not get my messages? And Shauna reveals that Ruthie, she gave, like, all these messages to Ruthie, and Ruthie's like, uh, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But Ruthie explains that the reason that she didn't say anything was because Simon has the twins, Lucy has Mary, and so she like it's just the them, them two together, which I think is kind of like not continuous with the rest of the show because Matt's the only one that's really alone. Simon and Ruthie have always had each other, so unless they're doing like a shift here of Simon having the twins, I don't know. I think they were trying to create a new dynamic. Like it's a new family now. It's not the sa- the same, but. Simon isn't even that all that preoccupied with. Well, he uh, is preoccupied. Well, I guess you're right because when we talk about Simon's storyline, yeah, we no- realize that it's like one of the first times Mary and Simon have like a yeah a connection. But here. maybe he's like doting on the tw- like, you know, giving them as the, as a caretaker. Like right. Simon's always been like her caretaker or whatever. We do realize, and we do know that uh, from past episodes that. He finds him, he feels responsible for the fact that they're boys, and he feels responsible for them. Um, Matt decide Matt gets it. He's not upset with Ruthie, which I'm like, fine. Never, no one's ever upset with Ruthie. Um, <laughs> he fixes things with Shauna. They're going to go on a date on Saturday, and he deci- he spends an evening with uh, Ruthie. Uh, this Ruthie also has my that '90s fashion moment of the episode. Oh yeah. Um, Ruthie is wearing. It looks like. Like, kind of, like, windbreaker pants? Like, track pants. Say. Yeah, like, like, track pants. Yeah, that's the word. Uh, they look like a, a, Adidas, Adidas. Um, Adidas. Adidas. Track bottoms, but they're not. They're... It's um, a skirt. It's a skirt, so surprise. Yeah, at first I thought, I was like, what is with the deal with the cuts in the pants? And then we saw that it was yeah. a skirt. Um, yeah, it's a skirt with, like, slits up to her, like... Knees, I know, basically. Yeah, she's not that tall. Yeah. She's a child. Um, but, so. All right, then. Um, and that's, yeah, that's that's basically it for Matt and Ruthie's storyline. Um, I guess Ruthie's getting the attention. You know, this is the second episode in a row where she's felt slighted as the not youngest anymore. Right. So, good for Ruthie, I guess. <laughs> you you hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, this one I, is explainable, so I get it. All right. Um, I guess we'll do... Simon and Mary next. Yeah. So Simon's storyline starts out with actually Simon and Matt have a scene, <laughs> which actually got to, got abandoned. I, I only realized like a few scenes later that they hadn't come back to that. But so Simon 
um, comes in and he's got his baseball glove on and he puts down a bottle. Then we can't really see what it was because at first I thought it was like a bottle of vinegar. I thought it was vinegar. So, and Matt's like, oh, um, why are you carrying like cooking oil around or vegetable oil? And Simon's like, I have to break in my glove. And Simon was like, you're not, uh, Matt's like, I forget exactly what oil he says you have to use. Um, Matt's like, if you go out in the sun, your glove is going to smell like a hamburger. So whatever. Simon's like, think fast. And he throws a baseball at Matt and he catches it. And then after this exchange is going on for a bit, Matt says the same thing to Simon and throws it back. But Simon ducks and the ball goes straight through a window, breaking the window. Um, And the fact that they look like horrified. And then that's, that doesn't go anywhere. Nope. Like, the window breaking is just like, oh, let's just put some t- tape over it. I don't even... I think if we go back through the episode, the window won't even look broken or, like, it's tape on it. Um, it's, like, one of the windows, I think... In the right front at, of the yeah, house. Yeah, right at the front of the house. It might be one of the windows right by the door. Yeah, it's right, it's right yeah. by the front door. Um, so Simon's storyline is that he's trying out for the baseball team. Um, he is using Mary as... Some kind of, like... I know. So apparently in Glen Oak, if you are (laughs) a part of the athletic community, no matter what sport it is... Or what level. Like, this is a a middle school baseball team. And he's using Mary, who is on the varsity basketball team, as his, like, plus point to, like, get in good with the coach. So Mary comes to just chill at his baseball practice. No, it's a tryout. Oh, it's a tryout, right. Um, he is trying out for catcher. Uh, Apparently the coach's son also wants to be the catcher. We, at this point, we have never, we haven't seen, uh, Simon play baseball. And then Mary, like he introduces himself and then his sister. He's like, haven't you heard of Mary Camden? Camden? The Camden name? (laughs) And the coach is like, no. Okay. (laughs) No, he's like, yeah, she's a good ball player. Like. I don't know why this matters. Yeah. Um, Mary throws him like a sinking... Fastball. And he doesn't catch it. And that's when we know that Simon is not as good at baseball as he thinks he is. I mean, he is in middle school, so (laughs) that's the one thing, but... Um, We very quickly... So this really quickly sets up the storyline where Simon thinks he's going to get on the team. And Mary kind of sees ahead and sees that he's not doing really well, so maybe she can help out. Um, so while another well, they have a different, they have a scene at home and Mary essentially tells Simon that like a, a good, another good value for players on a team to have is like having team spirit and being like a team player. Um, and Simon is like, yeah, well, I, if like on the, if I were on the team, like I'd be the most enthusiastic, I'd even be happy even just being the equipment manager. Um, so then Mary's like, yeah, that's the attitude. Uh, <laughs> So as so fast the, forward to like the second day of tri- tryouts. He's still not doing that well. Maybe he's catching one in every like ten balls. I would say five. One in five. Um, and coach is taking notes. Mary like says, you know, baseball tryouts. This must be real hard for you. <laughs> She's like, what a beautiful day for ball. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, well, today's the tough day because I guess it's the last day. And he's like, I have to make some tough decisions. It's never fun. Because, I mean, these are, like, 12-year-old kids. Right. It's never fun, like, telling them they can't play, but I only have so many roster spots. So she says, you know, the thing about Simon is is that he's a team player, and he really cares about the team, and it doesn't matter what position he's in. He doesn't need to be catcher. He'd even be happy being equipment manager. And that basically seals Simon's fate. 
Um, so then I guess the next scene we have is Simon's at school. There are all of these, like, boys lined up trying to look at this list, and it is the list of people who have made the baseball team. Uh, and Simon is like, oh... After he asks some kid, is like, oh, yeah, your name's on there. And all these kids are laughing at him. He's, they say, you go, girl. <laughs> Which is just... The most <sighs> sexist. Yeah. Um, and but Simon has... It, like, they make it sound like Simon's, like, team cheerleader. But the way that they the, are... He was the equipment manager. Yeah, he's the equipment manager. And Simon's pissed. <laughs> so he, he apparently... St- there's a payphone at the middle of school. Right. <laughs> and he has the number for the physical education or, like, the athletics department at the high school. <laughs> yeah. And he calls and somehow gets Mary on the phone. Um, and he's just like, you ruined everything. I can't believe you did this. Whatever. And she's like, I don't know. I'll I'll talk to him. He's like, you, this is your fault completely. You have she's to like, fix it. Yeah. yeah. So And he hangs up on her. Um, apparently off screen we have the, off screen we have the conversation between Mary and the coach. She comes home. She's like, Simon, are you still mad at me? And he's like, did you fix it? And he's like, no. She said, no, you're still equipment manager. Um, but the coach did say that you were good enough to be on the team. And then Simon is like, wait, like he gets excited at this. And then he's like, that makes no sense. If I was really better than the other kid who wanted to be the catcher, I would obviously be on the team. So Mary's like, no, I said that to make you feel better. But honestly, like, the coach is fine because the coach said you could practice with them and work out with the team, um, and then and you t- might be better prepared for next year. Um, the coach also ends up saying that if any of the other players end up quitting or can't play their position, that Simon will be first in line. So it's good news for Simon, and Simon's like, watch, I'll be the best equipment manager there ever was. Oh, wait, we forgot one thing. When Mary's at the, still at the high school, um, when she's leaving, like, the PE office or whatever, there's this girl oh, right. rolling in, like, a laundry basket filled with basketballs and dirty laundry because Simon kind of says, like, how crappy the job of equipment manager is. I have to do all the laundry. I have to rake the infield, the dirt. I have to... Lug all the equipment around yeah. everywhere. So Mary sees the, var- the... She sees this girl rolling in this thing of basketballs and laundry, and she's like, you're the equipment manager for the varsity girls' varsity basketball, right? And this girl, like, just, like, looks, like, horrified that Mary is speaking there, and she's like, yes. And Mary's like... I never realized how much you do or like whatever. And then this like makes this girl's day. Like she's so pleased that Mary Camden of the girls varsity basketball team spoke to her. What a fucking cliche. They also made sure to make this girl like the girl, like be like as mousy as possible and like fit the cliche of, Oh, the equipment manager is usually someone that is like super like nerdy and like, uh, like on the lowest tier of whatever, like, random high school hierarchy there is. Also, I think in real high schools that everyone just carries their own shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> there are still, it's like a degrading. I know. I think, I'm trying to remember if I did that as a stack girl. No, I didn't. I think they f- tried to get me to because I was the only girl on the bus, but I didn't. Okay. Um, so that is Mary and Simon's storyline. As we said earlier, this is kind of one of the first times I've seen Mary and Simon really interact. So yeah, new family dynamics. This leaves uh, Lucy by herself. So Lucy's storyline kind of picks up from the cold open with Jimmy Moon's storyline. Lucy and Mary are sitting in their room. Uh, Lucy Lucy is wearing the daddy's girl t-shirt again, and it's so much more clear. Trying to get a new photo of this. I mean, the one you got the last time was Yeah, she doesn't have her finger in her mouth, but... 
It's still, it's very clear. Lucy is concerned about Jimmy Moon. Uh, she's recently seen him hanging out with new people uh, that he hasn't before. He, she, like, saw him coming out of the guidance counselor's office. He doesn't look good. Um, Mary's like, okay. <laughs> and Lucy's like, well, I think Don't I you should. realize this is all my fault? And Mary's like, explain. Because she's the worst. Yep. This is my. This is definitely my Lucy's the worst moment. The whole, the whole episode is. Uh, but uh, she, thinks, she be- so she says that she thinks Jimmy Moon is on. Dr- no, no, no. Mary implies it. She's like, oh well, it sounds like he's acting di- like really differently. Like, do you think he's on drugs? Which drugs is serious stuff. Which I want to just point out very quickly. It's super problematic for them to immediately think that changes in behavior are due to drugs. Right, because they're also just teenagers, and like that's just part of like. Being a teenager, like, like just, hormones and growing up and puberty and yeah, like yeah, like rebelling is like a thing, right? So and like, like you're trying to figure out what you are and who you are as a person, and yeah. like remember Lucy went goth for a day. Yeah, that doesn't mean she was on drugs. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe she was. <laughs> um, so Lucy says, "Oh yeah, well I must be the reason that he turned to drugs." Right, and she's like, "Don't you remember he didn't date anyone after we broke up?" So naturally. That just means that he he started doing the drugs because they broke up. I don't know. Uh, he just couldn't get over her, so it, he had to turn to drugs. Mary's like, "Look, if it is drugs, you need to stay away. Stop. Don't meddle. Like it's dangerous." Uh, Lucy then, well, she, I think she like we go to the school, and it's the end of the school day. And Mary and Lucy are walking to the car together, and. They somehow, from, like, across the parking lot, this is just a weird scene. Right. They see Jimmy Moon in the back seat of a station wagon with these two other guys, and they are passing a joint back to Jimmy Moon. Mm-hmm. And as he's, like, inhaling, a cop car comes flying through the school parking lot. It's, ve- it's a very intense scene. And zeroes in on them, and then the cops, like, pull these these kids out of the car um, and well, out and of, they do look like kids in this scene. Like along with Jimmy, they all look yeah. like they're Jimmy Moon's age. And um, and out of Jimmy Moon's pocket, they pull this comically large bag of drugs for a high school student to have at school. Um, so we're led to believe that when he was in the car, he was smoking marijuana, and that whatever came out of his pocket was also marijuana. It honestly just looked like a bundle of sage to me, but whatever. Um, Lucy is in a panic. Uh, Mary drops her off to the... The church. And Lucy's like, spring into action, Dad. Do the things. Find, like, a counselor or, like, um, the best rehab program. Get him out of jail. Da-da-da-da-da. And the Rev Rev says, like, he's kind of, like, cryptic. He's like, I feared that this was going to happen. And he's, like, weirdly calm and... Lucy's like, she says like spring about a million times. Yeah. She's like, spring to action. And the Rev says, I like to get all the facts before I spring into action. And Lucy says, since when? Which yeah. is another good, like, the Rev is terrible too and is always just getting up in everyone's business. But he, Lucy also mentioned something like, it would be really wise for you to like inform people once you decide to change the way that you do things. Um, oh, and, and also, I don't know, Lucy also says something, and I think that throughout the whole episode, I kind of agree with this. She's like, you act like you knew, like, all of this was going to happen all along, like, because he doesn't ever react to anything. He's always just like, okay, (laughs) that happened. And as, like, viewers of the show now for three seasons, we've kind of, like, 
it, it does seem odd out of like character for the Rev. The Rev is very like very quick to get himself involved with everyone's business. Especially because Jimmy Moon's parents actually came and asked him right. for help. And this seems like completely out of character for him to not do anything, not really um, care, it seems. Or like or even try to explain anything to his daughter. He just basically says, Look, don't get involved. Um, clearly this is a setup for, like, the resolution of the story, but even as, like, a viewer... It's hard to believe that this would actually play out this way. Right, exactly. Um, Lucy decides to take things into her own hands, and, um, kind of causes a rift between her father and herself. And her mother. And her mother. Because there, there are a few different scenes where both of the Camerons are, like... Stay no, like they're like, please just stay away from Jimmy Moon right now. Like things will get sorted out. If he's in legal trouble, you can't do anything about it. If he's on drugs, you really can't do anything about it. We learn that he's like, even though he was arrested, that he's coming back to school the next day. So something's going on. Um, Lucy is like, you need to do something about this. Like we need to help him. If the police aren't going to help him, and the rev's like, don't get involved. Um, we have a very I a very good conversation between Annie and Lucy, though, that I did appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annie says that Lucy will make a very good mother one day because she has a very nurturing... Um, she has nurturing characteristics. And Lucy's like, we're not talking about the babies, are we? We're talking about Jimmy Moon. And she's like, exactly. But the thing is, I know how much you care about other people and you care about Jimmy Moon, but you need to start ca- taking care of yourself first. Would this kind of tip me off about how what was going to happen or like why they were why the Camden parents were so hands off um because it's there it seems like they're like if you don't take care like pay attention to what you're doing and like if you get too wrapped up in other people's problems they'll they're going to become your problems so I was like oh I think I know where this is going right I feel like maybe if I was paying attention more during this episode I might have picked it up but actually it did come as a shock to me either way oh I thought I think the reason that I thought the parents were, like, so um, not involved back, yeah. was because of their, they, what they thought was their own issues, which we'll I discuss. I also in, speculated that as well, but... Um, which we, we'll discuss it when we discuss the Rev storyline. Um, eventually, this all comes to a head when, the, when Lucy basically... Well, this scene comes on the tail end of... The Rev has another scene at the church with the Moon parents... And they're, they are, like, just talking about the recent trouble, like Jimmy Moon getting picked, arrested at school and stuff like that. And the Rev says something about how he thinks that Jimmy might be a teen informant and that, um, I think it's uh, Jimmy Moon's parents, they say something about, oh, a few months back he was arrested for, like, the first time for, like, or Lucy might reveal this, I don't know. He had been arrested earlier in the school year for the same thing and the rev starts explaining like oh he might that that might be why he got off so easy because he is giving them information um about who who the dealer is that's dealing to kids and stuff so right that happens right before um it's after school and lucy sees she's waiting for mary to come pick her up but mary isn't coming to get her because mary's with simon um so the Rev is on his way, but in the meantime, Lucy sees Jimmy Moon with the guys who he was arrested with the other day. So I want to... We missed uh, an important scene here. Before Lucy... Before all of this goes down, as I said, Lucy decides to take things into her... Matters into her own hands, and she confronts Jimmy Moon herself. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, they have a scene by Jamie Moon's locker um, where she's like, I know that this is my fault. I feel really guilty. Like, we broke up, and you've this is, like, the life you've turned to. And he's like, I broke up with you. I don't know why you feel guilty. And she's like, well, what about the second time? I'm the one that broke up with you. And he's like, you know, I'm here for you if you need me. And right, like, that conversation stops because... We see, the guys that he was with in the car. Right. So now the... the are now in the, the corner. So these two guys do not look like any anything like the guys that were stopped in the car, first of all. And second of all, they look... Really old. Really, really old. They look like they're in their 30s. They look creepy as fuck. Yeah. And Jimmy Moon's like, response is, get away from me. I don't need your help. Like He goes 0 to 100 real quick. Um, and he leaves. So then, fast After forward... school... Um, As Lucy sees him th- again with these guys, and she sees them, like, kind of acting a little bit suspicious, and they start walking down the street, and she starts to follow them because her ride still isn't there yet. And then as soon as she starts to approach them, like, three, like, undercover cops come out. One of them comes off of, like, a park bench or, like, a bus stop, and the other one kind of runs from out of nowhere. And Somebody like, comes out of the bushes, I yeah. feel like. And they're like... First of all, with their guns drawn for these supposed high school students who are, like, at most are just, like, possessing drugs. They're not dealing. Well, there is a scene right before that, like, before oh, the, where... Jimmy gives the guy money, yeah. And, and then, like, there is there is weed exchange for it. And Lucy's kind of, like, walking up to them very st- slowly, but she's in, like, the, the parameter, city, right? Yeah. And then they're like, put everybody with your hands up! On even, the ground! Even you, young lady! And she, like, has to, like, get on her knees as well. And this is as the Rev is arriving to pick her up from school. So everything that he predicted... Happened. Yeah, all the reasons they told Lucy not to get involved. And then it happened. Um, So Lucy's, like, very last scene in this is her crying. And you can believe it. uh, And her being like, before you lecture me and tell me that I, I told you so, can I just say something? And they're like, sure. And she basically said, she reveals the thing that you mentioned about Jane Moon being a teen informant that... She can't really say much about it. Right. Um, and, and you probably, like she says, you probably knew this before I did, and that's why you were acting the way you were, and I should have listened to you. Um, like, basically, like, fesses up to the fact that they were right, she was wrong, that she needs to start focusing on herself more, um, and she can't be, con- like, con- concerned about everybody else, especially when she doesn't have all the information, and that you're the adult, and I'm the child, and I know nothing. See, I hate that, too. Like, the, what if they didn't know everything? Like, I don't know. They didn't actually know everything. Like, the the Rev's, like, kind of... Uh, um, He's also speculating. Yeah, yeah. His, he was, like, guessing. He was like, oh, well, Jimmy Moon's probably a teen informant, just because he was, like, in and out of... Like, I'm pretty sure that Jimmy Moon's parents would have, like, he would have made bail for, like possession of sage um so (laughs) the other thing i felt like i mean i know that this is about i don't know maybe it's not about growth in the camdens but like i feel like they know their children by now like annie even says it she's like i knew that if i said stay away that like that would just push her into doing it even more like if they just went and explained a little bit as to why they they kept on saying it's dangerous it's too dangerous stay away but if they didn't, if they actually went and tried to explain to her a little bit without getting into too much of the details, I feel like maybe Lucy would be, perhaps, perhaps. But able also, to she's learn. Lucy, and I feel like she'd blow his cover. She'd go up to him in school and be like, "Hey, I heard you're working with the cops. <laughs> Good work, yeah. ex-boyfriend. Um, I see you're doing so much better without me." Yeah. So. Um, but she cries. 
says, she basically grounds herself, like, I'll take care of the babies the next weekend or something. And then they're like, we don't even need to lecture you now. <laughs> so the last storyline is the Rev storyline. Um, the Rev, as we said earlier, the return of Lou kind of, and this is where, I guess, the entire episode, the, the title paranoia really comes in. Lucy's paranoid about Jimmy Moon. Uh, I guess Matt's paranoid paranoid about Shauna. I don't know. But anyway, the real paranoia... Jimmy Moon is smoking sage. He's probably paranoid. <laughs> um, I guess Marion... Simon's paranoid about the baseball team. Um, so right, I don't think we're using the word correctly anymore. <laughs> the Rev um, is concerned about the fact that Lou was in the office. He thinks, basically, that he's going to get fired. Um, so he says, maybe if I write the sermon of a lifetime, they won't fire me. Um... And his suspicions throughout the episode keep on growing because of, like, events that happen. For example... It's, it's mostly just every time he's in his office, Lou comes in, and Lou does some great acting. But Lou is just, like, utterly shocked every time that he enters the Rev's office and the Rev is there. So the Rev is like, well, yeah, of course I'm here in my office where I'm entitled to be. And he's like, they're trying to get me out because, I don't know. They don't think that he can handle being a father and being a reverend, I guess. is That's what the Rev's, like... But they were being pretty nice. They yeah. were like, Reverend, go home and take care of your kids. Um, the Rev gets a phone call um, from a desk delivering service uh, for a Rev Bergen. Um, so he thinks that he's getting replaced by this Reverend Bergen. Um, I would like to say that this is around the time where we have our... I thought he was acting like uh, Ruthie there because he was like... He's like, oh, there's no Reverend Reverend Bergen here. And then he hangs up, and I'm like, the desk's never going to get delivered. <laughs> um, that's actually a good point. Maybe that's where Ruthie gets her not giving messages from. Um, this is my uh, who the fuck is that moment of the episode. Um, along with Lou, the other, like, his sidekick in all of this is Deacon Sid. Deacon Sid, Sid. is yeah. Deacon <laughs> Sid is played by Tom Yee. Um, Tom Yee's from a number of things. He's been in general, he's been in general hospital, which obviously I know. But um, I, I think where I recognize him the most is Rab, Rab, Rabbi Chang from Community. So he's played a deacon and a rabbi. Um, yeah, he plays a lot of bit parts in a lot of shows. Um, All right. The Rev continuously thinks something's wrong, and he's like, "You're jumping to conclusions." Then when she says that, they're at home, and the phone rings. And it's for the Rev, and it's Lou, and they're like, oh, uh, Reverend, we're just, like, kind of light, trying to lighten your load, and, like, um, we, we, what's, what's the name of your sermon for this week? Because we're, like, typing up the church bulletin. And the Rev is like, but I always do the church bulletin. And then he makes something up on the spot, and he's like, the name of the, my sermon? Uh, 20, 20 years, years of, of my, my life. life. Um, so he needs to write a sermon about it being like he 20 years of his life dedicated to this. Um, so again, a couple more episodes like spread out through the episode, like third, I'm sorry, a couple more scenes. scenes spread out through the episode of him being paranoid, him like trying, like talking to Annie about what are we going to do? I'm going to get fired. Oh no. And she's like, crisis. Yeah. Calm the fuck down, dude. Like you don't know all the information. I don't know. She acts a little bit scared sometimes. Acting. <laughs> acting practice. <laughs> so, so fast forward to the actual day of the sermon. Um, all of the parishioners are giggling. And it's like, ser- it's actually, I mean, I'm not really, I wasn't really listening to what he was saying, but it was nothing to be laughing at. And they're just like giggling at inappropriate moments. And then the side door of the church opens and this holy man and his 
Garb, the, the Rev Bergen. He's like, I, he's like, I need. I'm sorry, I, I need, need to, to interrupt it because your parishioners are laughing at times when they shouldn't be laughing. I'm Reverend Bergen, and I was the Reverend here before you were. <laughs> and then the Rev steps down, and he's like, "You're the Reverend Bergen." And then he explains that they never got to meet because there was an interim minister there, in between. But which, like, does that mean he didn't recognize the name? Reverend right. Bergen, when he heard it on the phone, or like he didn't even know that that's who. I don't know. It made it sound like he knew what, like he knew of a Reverend Bergen. Well, he was like Reverend Bergen. That would be who's replacing me. That was just all he yeah. said on the phone. But I don't know. Maybe because that was like his his state of mind was like so paranoid right, that he right. didn't even put it together. He was just like. So basically, the Reverend Bergen, this man who the Rev does not know at all, is there to celebrate and announce the fact that it's the Rev's 20th year here. It's like a 20th the date, like the like anniversary. Tw- yeah. And that they're here to celebrate, and there's ice cream cake. And a potluck lunch. And everybody's... And church is over. Like the- Yeah. <laughs> and the Rev's like, oh, it was good news. Oh, and also, this entire time, when everybody's like celebrating and clapping... Catherine Hicks is going crazy, losing her mind. Like this was like the surprise of a century for her. I don't even know how she kept this secret at home. Um, right. So Annie knew all along. Is what yeah, we gather. I think the whole family knew all along. Um, oh, and then Reverend Bergen says something about the desk being delivered because he's like, "Oh, it was my desk when I worked here. I thought it would be nice. I thought it missed the place. It would be nice for you to have it." And the Rev's like, "Oh, I also just want to say that the way that they did this scene was." unnecessary it could have like i don't like he could have come out and be like happy 20 years instead of being like i need to stop this like horrible sermon right now <laughs> like why did that have to happen and i also like think it's like cheesy how they made the sermon name he came up with which, like, just happened to be like right. oh i'll reflect on the last 20 years of my life um although like his sermon is about controlling things and paranoia <laughs> yeah. so, and the jo- the, ba- the boundless joy and satisfaction of being the reverend yeah but that's the episode Jeez. <laughs> what do you think i'll give it a two out of seven because i'm giving it a three it's slightly better than last episode i'm giving it a three i, mean, I liked uh i don't know i, th- I feel like the whole I like none of it, but I'm still giving it a Jimmy three. Jimmy Moon thing was underdeveloped. Like that should. They could have done. They could have done they that. They just pulled that out of nowhere. He's a teen informant. Right. <laughs> That's the like. This is what I wanted to say about the last episode. Is they pulled Wilson out of nowhere. Like we had no lead up to him for coming like, back. Yeah, and for like a very brief, maybe like a minute on screen. Yeah, like he would have been better used for that one episode where she lied to everyone, saying that they were dating. Yeah, yeah it would have been funnier to have him like calling the house and trying to talk to Mary, yeah. but like. She's out on another date. Like, they paid Andrew Keegan for the wrong episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that's it. So, to see the things that are shown on our social media... Show, I can't... Why can't social I say media. We might actually put a video up of Annie losing her mind at the end. Maybe. You'll have to Maybe. see. Maybe. You'll have to see. It'll uh, be a surprise. You can find us on Facebook, CamdenCast, or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at CamdenCastShow. Uh, uh, you can also subscribe to us uh, on iTunes and on SoundCloud, where you can also like, rate, and review. Yeah. This was Camden Cast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Tanthi. Bye-bye. Where can you